Screenless. Spent Force, read with some difficulty by Reg Plate. Chapter 3 Stairway to Hendon. It was settled. I was not going to Hendon. Not now, with the sudden but not entirely unexpected passing of Vendetta, pinned and preserved in turpentine by the recently bereaved Mrs. Reg. But then, later that evening, and turning an ominous shade of the deepest beige, Mrs. Reg flushed and was very quick to put her foot down. This was something that even in my wildest dreams, not that I was ever an adventurous dreamer, <laughs> I could ever imagine myself doing, not with my size 14's plates of meat. It would be like the opening and closing of Tower Bridge. <laughs> now you listen to me, Reg Plates, she said, wagging a finger. Not hers, you understand, but the one she kept on a chain round her neck for occasions such as this. Moths will come and go, but chances like this, Hendon must be grabbed and leapt on like a traveller's courting ritual. As she returned to her normal, meek and reticent beige demeanour, and with her eyes once again lifeless and sunken, she indicated that she wished to retire to the bedroom. That night we made tea several times until sated, spent and bloated. We both fell into a deep sleep in our respective favourite deck chairs with our best blue bone china teacups still in hand. The following glorious morning I left the house with a sprig in my step partly out of boyish going to the reptile's house excitement, but largely to aid forward propulsion and reduce the time it usually took me to get anywhere in a hurry. I can't really remember the trip to the station, nor indeed any part of the journey there. The whole thing felt like something out of a dream. All those bits in crime fiction on the telly where they cleverly recreate the actions of one of the murder suspects as they narrate events as they remember them of the previous evening leading up to said murder. Well, it's really quite marvellous to watch. But what I do recall was that unremarkable sensation of being on the brink of something... large. Screeching into Hendon Tube Station and getting off into the bustling and heaving platform, then down a flight of stairs, then along and up a slope for a bit, until finally arriving at an unevenly slabbed path and another set of stairs, I had arrived, finally and at long last, at the stairway to Hendon. I stumbled awkwardly through the curly-whirly-shaped gates. And as I clattered them shut, I was greeted by a very surly man called Peter, who had a clipboard and a highly irritatingly officious manner and a tone which I hoped that one day soon I would effortlessly adopt in the line of duty. Oh, how divine! It was then that I properly looked around in silent, reverential and almost tearful awe. <clears throat> I beheld a vast, sprawling vista of yellowing grassways edged with POW-style huts. To the left and to the right of me, there were men noisily marching up and down or pointlessly assembling themselves into human pyramids 
as a kind of welcoming committee for my benefits. Hello there. Some were slick and brill-creamed, engaging in hand-to-hand sarcasm and dismissive street interviewing techniques, whilst the younger lads practice vaulting over wooden horses and burnt-out cars in the tightest of shorts and vests that left nothing to the imagination. It reminded me of something out of... From here to eternity, you know, with a very muscular Burt Lancaster and the pre-King and I star Deborah Carr, you know, when the army base was being attacked and that bit in the Bond film, you only live twice when all the little fellows in grey narrow suits come running out of the crater, killing everyone they see. This was the stuff of all my cherished childhood nightmares and I knew then I had finally found my tribe. <laughs> Life, at that moment, couldn't be more like a box of Turkish delights. You know what I mean. Oddly and exotically sweet to start with, but after rudimentary mastication, you're left with a disagreeably soapy aftertaste and sensation of being a victim of an untimely practical joke. Which is, in a way, what shortly happened. A girl from a nearby canteen ran past me in a state of high dudgeon, hotly pursued by an oddly trouserless drill sergeant. Stop. She's got my wallet. He blustered, waving his pipe like a children's sparkler. As she ran past, I clumsily made a grab for the girl with both arms and missed as she ducked out of my unathletic and flailing grasp. But being blessed with two outsized feet has its advantages, and she caught the kitten heel of her leopard skin slim back in the loop of the shoelace of one of my barge length black brogues and fell hard to the ground, laddering her tights and dislodging most of her overly hairsprayed auburn beehive in the process. Once he'd caught up the drill sergeant, pink thighed and wheezing like an old set of church organ bellows, turned to me as I very apologetically helped the girl to her unsteady but normal-sized feet. You there, new boy walla, he spluttered. What's your name? Reg, I beamed proudly. Everyone within a 50-metre radius had now stopped whatever they were doing and looked on. Time stood still for what seemed like an eternity. A crowd four deep now encircled the three of us, eagerly awaiting this encounter's denouement. Well, don't just stand there, he continued breathlessly. Check if she has my wallet. Go on, Inspector. Inspector Reg. At that point, the assembled mob slowly cascaded into fits and bursts of uncontrollable laughter, with the joke very much on me. The nickname stuck and I was thereafter known as Inspector Reg. So, until next time, if you see a trouserless, pink-thighed, wheezing drill sergeant, walk away. It's the safest thing to do. <laughs> Spend Force was read by Reg Plate and produced by Gareth Davis at The Sound Boutique. Find more content at screenless.online. Yeah.